Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Philemon, chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. I would have liked to keep Onesimus with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord for us. Good morning, friends. What a joy to be together on this beautiful spring day, to fellowship with one another, to sing songs of praise to Almighty God, and now to study his word. I'm just thrilled that you're with us today. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So I'm John, and privileged to serve as lead pastor here at MCA, and excited for all God has in store for us today. We are doing a two-week study in this little New Testament book of Philemon, by the way. Philemon is the shortest of Paul's letters. Uh, And as we are calling this series Clean Break, we realize that this little book helps us to navigate broken relationships. Helps us to navigate broken relationships. So it's a letter that was written by uh, Paul, and it was written to this man whose name was Philemon. Not only was it written to Philemon, it was written to the church that uh, meets in his household. And uh, what happened was, I'll, I'll kind of recap. We started this last week, but I'll recap a little bit and then we'll move into today's. But uh, his slave, one of his servants named Onesimus had run away, run all the way to Rome where he encountered Paul who was in prison or in chains and he got saved. And so... Paul then sends this man, Onesimus, back home to be restored, and he asks Philemon to forgive. These are very unique circumstances (laughs) with with, uh, a social construct of slavery that kind of smacks against our cultural sensibilities and the idea of a, a, a man who had wronged someone else being so far away in the ancient world and being sent home. Very unique circumstances, and yet... We've all experienced broken relationships, haven't we? we? We can all relate to this story because we've experienced brokenness in our own lives. And we're sort of operating under this assumption that the reason we have broken relationships is because we are broken people. We talked about that last week. In fact, the book of James tells us that. If we look at James chapter 4 and verse 1, he says very clearly, Why do you have fights and quarrels among you? He says, Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? We, we have a brokenness in us that leads to brokenness in the uh, relationships outside of us. 
But the good news this morning is that Christ calls us to live a different way. Not just leaving a wake of broken people in our path, but restoring, forgiving, and refreshing others with grace even when we've been mistreated. Even when we've been wronged. Yes, this is a hard teaching from the Lord. But very simply put, when we have conflict with others, Christ calls us to choose forgiveness. Let me say that again. When we have conflict with others, even when we're mistreated and wronged, Christ calls us to choose forgiveness. Why is that? Well, let's begin with the love of Christ. Because of the love of Christ. In fact, this beautiful little book, this little letter of Philemon, I hope you brought your Bible with you. I want you to turn to the book of Philemon, by the way. Is filled with love. It's filled with the language of love. Verse 3, Paul says, grace to you. This is a Greek word, charis. It's a gift. It's an unmerited favor. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. At the end of the letter, in verse 25, again, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Even even just with the English translation that you have in front of you, you might notice there that the word love appears three times. Verses 5, verses 7, and verse 9. The word heart appears three times. Depending on your translation, the word beloved appears two times. Uh, we are, I typically teach out of the NIV. I appreciate the NIV. Uh, it's the translation script, uh, of scripture that Christy read for us from. Uh, but if you look here and see in verse 1, dear friend, and then again in verse 16, dear brother, really a better translation there is beloved. You're familiar with the Greek word agape. Well, that word in a, in a form appears in those verses. Agape tone, the loved one, the beloved. So this little book is filled with love. Philemon's name means the one who loves. It, and it is this radical, selfless love for others that Paul says is refreshing. We had a refreshing rain this morning, didn't we? A good old-fashioned Midwestern spring shower. And it was beautiful. This is a beautiful morning. The earth is, is refreshed by the rain that God has sent. And Paul says in this letter that grace is refreshing. He uses the phrase refreshing your heart two times. Like in verse 7 where he says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. We refresh others when we forgive. We refresh them with grace. Listen, we forgive because we've been forgiven. This refreshment of grace doesn't start with us. We don't generate it. We simply pass it on. We have been forgiven, therefore we forgive. And why have we been forgiven? Only because of the great love of Christ. So why do we forgive? Only because of the great love of Christ. Paul makes it clear that Philemon is to forgive. He is to forgive Onesimus. And, and, and the motivation here 
is not, well, Paul has asked me to do a favor. And so, therefore, I need to choose to forgive. The reason is because he's commanded to by the Lord Jesus. And because if he's experienced that in his own life, he's to pass it on as well. Sometimes we feel like holding a grudge. Sometimes we feel like seeking vengeance when we're hurt. Probably the best words that I could share this morning as I preach are the words of Scripture. Words like Luke 17, 3. Where Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Like Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Verses like Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. I wonder what word that is in the Greek. It's a version of agape, the one we just talked about, beloved, in the book of Philemon. Again, dear friends is probably not my favorite translation of I think it's agape toy in this, in this passage. Beloved. Do not take revenge, beloved, Paul says. But leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I could go on and on and on and on reading the scriptures for us this morning that we are called to forgive. The Bible is filled with them. But you know what we won't find in scripture? We won't find the verse that says, if thou art hurt badly enough, hold a grudge. And yet some of us tend to think and operate that way, don't we? We won't find the verse in Scripture that says, and whenever you are mistreated, be diligent and seek vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And so we begin to understand that when we seek vengeance, when we hold grudges, when we choose not to forgive, it's an issue of not trusting God. Hey, God, you're not able to uh, avenge me in this situation. I'll take care of it myself. In the movie, The Interpreter, there's a character who shares this powerful story of a tribal community who has the opportunity to choose forgiveness over retribution. Check this out.
She said, vengeance is a lazy form of grief. I would put our own spin on that and say, vengeance is a lazy form of faith. So in this letter to Philemon, we see a Christian man who's been called to forgive. And if you go home and look in the mirror, you're going to see a Christian man or woman that's called to do the same. Forgiveness. Sure, Philemon could talk about all the ways that he's been wronged, all the ways he's been hurt, the offense. Maybe you don't understand what Onesimus has done to me. Or Philemon can choose to welcome him as a brother in Christ. Again, each one of us has been wrong. Each one of us knows the sting and the pain of of a broken relationship, of, of feeling betrayed, of feeling hurt. But just like Philemon, what we're studying together here, we've been called to forgive. And we have in that a great opportunity to refresh others with grace as we've received the grace of God. We give the grace of God. So here's what I'd like to do with the rest of our time together. We've talked about why it is that we forgive because of the love of Christ. That's why we've been forgiven and that's why we choose to forgive. So what I want to do with the rest of our time is to share who and when and how we should forgive. So we talked about the why, now the who. So very simply put, at this point, I think we're all kind of tracking together. Philemon and the church there, this letter was addressed to the group there also, they're called to forgive Onesimus, even though he'd done wrong. Now, we don't know all of the story here. We use some bit of imagination as we read the story. It seems as if Onesimus has maybe uh, taken something from the household. We don't really know the details. It's quite possible that not only was he a lazy servant, he, w- he was sort of, uh, didn't pull his own weight, wasn't very helpful, right? He was, he was, uh, Paul, Paul says earlier in the letter, uh, he, was, he was useless to you. It's quite possible throughout his time of service in the household, maybe he was pilfering goods. You know, it, he, he was maybe just no good, stealing from them. Maybe, maybe he then uh, loaded stuff up and took off and, and leaves them. But we don't, we don't know that for sure. But we know that he was useless. We're suspecting maybe this is a guy who caused more headache than he was even worth. And now the household, and he's gone. And now the household is supposed to just welcome him back. He's supposed to forgive him. He's supposed to give him a second chance. Yes. Because he now knows Jesus. Because we're called to forgive. So who are we called to forgive? Everyone. Everyone who needs it. And we all need it. Oftentimes, we are required to forgive people who, in our minds, don't deserve to be forgiven. It's kind of a nice thought when it doesn't impact you personally. The idea of forgiveness. But oftentimes we are, we are required, we are asked, the Lord puts us in situations where we forgive someone who in our minds doesn't deserve that forgiveness. 
But see, it's not just about forgiving those who have offended up to a certain point. We don't have the luxury of picking and choosing who we forgive. We can't just draw this arbitrary line and say, well, I'll forgive up to this point, but nothing beyond. The forgiveness of Christ is a forgiveness without limits. And praise God. Because we all need forgiveness. Because we've all done wrong. There was a Sunday school teacher who did a lesson on forgiveness with a group of children. As she concluded her lesson, she wanted to make sure that the uh, kids kind of got the point. And so she says, all right, class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you obtain the forgiveness of sin? And the class kind of draws a blank. And they're, they're sitting in silence. And one little boy speaks up from the back and he says, sin? <laughs> that makes sense. One of the best examples in the scriptures is Stephen in the book of Acts. This is Christ-like forgiveness. In Acts chapter 7, we read, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said it, he fell asleep. (laughs) If this man, because of the love of Christ, can forgive those who are killing him, Tell me again, what is it that you're holding a grudge about? Tell me, what's your excuse for not offering forgiveness to the people who've hurt and wounded you? Who should we forgive? Everyone. When should we forgive? Well, let's go to the epistle that we're studying here, which is the Greek word for letter, the letter that we're studying here, written by Paul. And we have Onesimus coming back to Philemon. So when was he supposed to be forgiven? Does it say, after he serves you faithfully for an entire year and proves himself, then forgive him? The reason some of you didn't answer is because some of you are asleep. (laughs) It doesn't say that. And God bless you. Have a great nap. (laughs) It it doesn't seem to say anything in here about after he's completed his baptism classes, then you should forgive him. After he's proven himself, then you should forgive him. After his debt has fully been repaid, then you... When is he supposed to forgive him? Immediately. Welcome him as if you were welcoming me, Paul says. Immediately. He wants this house church and this leader to forgive this man, to receive him, to be reconciled. Onesimus, he's a runaway slave, but now he's no longer a slave. He's a useful brother in Christ. He's not just some random dude. He's now coming highly acclaimed from the Apostle Paul himself. So refresh him with grace. And that's what each and every one of us has the opportunity to do. When someone does you wrong, and I'm not trying to downplay your pain. I'm not in any way trying to say that you very flippantly respond to silly situations. People hurt. People carry wounds. 
and deep offense. But if we take a look inside, there are some of those situations where we are just eager for revenge. We want to see their demise and downfall and destruction. We want to see them hurting and suffering. And Lord, help us. Because that's not the heart of Christ. And when you do that, you're hurting yourself worse than you're hurting anyone else. We, we don't choose to, to forgive just because we know it's going to have benefits to us. We do it because of the great love of Christ that compels us. But here's the beautiful thing about the gospel and the Christian life is it's what's best for each and every one of us. And so there is a, a reality here. Physiologically, when you carry grudges, you are not well. Like some of the people might not even know that they've hurt you. And you're so worked up about it. Some of them know they've hurt you and just don't seem to care. <laughs> but you're carrying that grudge and it's hurting you worse than it's hurting anybody else. It reminds me of the story of the little boy. He's sitting on a park bench. And he's in obvious pain. He just has this terrible little grimace on his face. So much so that a man walking by says, what's wrong? The little boy says, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. <laughs> the curious man says, well, then why don't you get off? And he says, because I figure I'm hurting him worse than I'm, he's hurting me. Don't carry around that woundedness. Choose to forgive and do it immediately. Christ did it from the cross. They're called the 12 most amazing words ever spoken. And we read them in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That bitterness that you carry, it's only darkening your own soul. That unforgiveness is only weighing you down like an anchor. That hatred, it's a poison and it's going to destroy you. You choose to forgive. You do it immediately. Because you can be refreshed by grace. And so you choose to refresh others with that same grace. When you forgive, you find freedom. When you choose to forgive, to, to, to love, to have compassion, even on your enemies... Your heavenly father is going to be glorified. And you see, it's only then that you're going to have a testimony that's consistent with God's grace poured out in your own life. When do we forgive? Immediately. And finally, how should we forgive? <laughs> uh, simply put, completely. We forgive completely and continuously. Like this is how Christ has forgiven us. This is, this is the picture of Philemon and the house church saying to one who, who wronged them, you're not a slave, you're our brother. Because Christ has done a work in you. What are you talking about? We're not mad. We forgive you. We're going to celebrate because of what God has done. So forgiveness, it always involves showing mercy. But I, part of what I love about Philemon is this is a picture of forgiveness with grace. God has done a work in you, Onesimus. 
We rejoice with the angels in heaven. Completely forgiven. So we choose to forgive in a way that there aren't conditions. It's got to be complete. It's total forgiveness. This is the kind of forgiveness that God has granted us. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, God has removed our transgressions from us. But see, sometimes we like to give a half forgiveness or like a partial forgiveness. And then it's sort of conditional. And then when we're upset or angry or hurt later, we can still kind of bring those things up. We still kind of have that ammunition that we can use. That's not the way God has forgiven us. So that's not the way we forgive others. You you can't forgive someone completely and then still sort of use those past transgressions again. they're, They're forgotten. They're gone. Clara Barton is the founder of the American Red Cross, and she was reminded one day of a vicious deed that someone had done to her years before. But she acted as if she'd never heard of the incident. Her friend says, don't you remember it? Barton says, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. When I say that we should forgive completely, I want to be clear that this does not mean, in the case of, let's say, domestic violence or abuse, that a victim would continue in a dangerous situation. Forgive, yes. Foolishly subject someone to further harm, to further trauma, no, absolutely not. I'm not advocating for that, and I'm not in favor of that. Where, where someone has abused their power and, and caused significant harm to someone else, there needs to be healing and there needs to be what we call a process of reconciliation. Forgive, yes. Foolishly put someone in harm's way, absolutely not. Please notice here, in this story, it is Philemon who is being asked to forgive. It is Philemon. Who's asked to welcome him back. He's the master. He's the owner. He's the one with authority. I just wonder how many runaway slaves had come to Paul. And they had stories of they had been abused. They had been mistreated. They had been beaten. And Paul didn't send them back to their masters. It was Onesimus who had offended Not Philemon. This is a really important distinction for us to make as we study this book. The power structure that has happened here is significant. It has great implications for us today. And how we cannot use the Bible to say, you've got to go home. You need to forgive and put yourself, put your children in harm's way. No, the Bible cannot be used to perpetuate the powerless being hurt and harmed. We will protect them. And only when it is safe should they go home. We forgive completely. Yes. We forgive immediately. Yes. But in no ways, in no ways does this mean that a vulnerable person should be mistreated or subject to further abuse. I want to be very clear on that. We choose forgiveness. But we don't choose to foolishly place someone, someone who's vulnerable, in an abusive situation. Philemon is the one who's called to forgive. 
So there's a conversation that happens that I want to turn us to in Matthew chapter 18 between Peter and Jesus on forgiveness. Starting in verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? You know, you, you can partly read this as like, he, he's kind of best friends with some of the other disciples and they're human. They make mistakes. Like, how many times, Lord, do I have to forgive these knuckleheads? He says, up to seven times? Now, here's what you need to know. That in Jewish culture, it was, it was common practice. This was, this was known in their world and culture that it's essentially a three-strike rule. Three times. You're not going to get a fourth. So, so Peter, in some ways, he's being generous here by saying seven. <laughs> like, normally you get three strikes, Lord. How many times should I forgive? Up to seven times. Verse 22, or in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. <laughs> and actually, we're not 100% sure. Jesus, did he say 77 or did he say 70 times 7? The way the Greek is worded, it could be read either way. 77 times or 70 times 7. That's really not the point. Whether he meant 77 or whether he meant 490, the point is keep forgiving, continue forgiving. And of course, 7 is the number of completion. 7 is, seven is the, the, the perfect number. In other words, like uh, you do this in a way that is complete and holistic. When you're offended, when you're hurt, you forgive. And we live in an imperfect world, don't we? We bring our own brokenness, and we're pretty quick to point out and notice the brokenness in others. And so we're encountering imperfect people, and we're going to be wronged. Here's the question for us, the question of the hour. Will we forgive? Will we choose to refresh others with grace? Matthew West has a song that's called Forgiveness. It's powerful, but it, the story behind the song is even more powerful. It's a story about a woman who found the strength to forgive even in impossible situations. Check this out. This one story in particular has had a profound impact on me. It hit me kind of hard. It's about a woman who did the impossible, and it made me ask myself if I could do the same. Renee had four kids. Two of her daughters were twins. Megan was coming home from the beach one night with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver named Eric, a 24-year-old kid. Megan lost her life. Eric killed both girls that were in the car. Renee lost her daughter in an instant. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. Renee wrote to me and said, I now have a mission that I never would have chosen. What she meant by that is that in the years that follow, she began to travel around to schools and churches and different functions, and she would speak about the dangers of drunk driving. But as the years progressed, she felt like something was missing from her presentations. And that's when God put it on her heart that she had not forgiven this man who took the life of her daughter. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. He said, I can't even forgive myself, and she forgave me. 
Eric said he found his eternal salvation as a result of this act. One by one, all of Renee's family members followed her lead and they reached out and expressed forgiveness to Eric. So much so that now they describe Eric as part of their family, like a son to Renee. The story doesn't stop there though. Renee went to the courts along with her family and she was able to have Eric's sentence cut in half from 22 years to 11 years. This blew me away. And the reason she did it is so that Eric could have a second chance at life and so that he could join her in their presentations. She told me that now she shares not only about the dangers of drunk driving, but also about the power of forgiveness. It's a powerful story. And I think each and every one of us has the opportunity to have similar stories in our own life. broken people and we have broken relationships but because of the love of Christ that unconditional move heaven and earth do anything sacrifice his only son kind of love we've been refreshed by grace we are restored we are forgiven we are set free from our sins, from the things that, that entangle us and entrap us. Maybe that's the message some of you need to hear today. That you're forgiven. Maybe you're struggling with forgiving yourself for what you've done. The blood of Jesus covers your transgression. And so because of the great love of Christ, we know the forgiveness of God and we can give and offer that same forgiveness to others. If you're weary today, I want you to hear this. God wants to refresh you. If you're discouraged, he wants to lift your spirits. In the places where you are weak, he wants to make you strong. Listen to this promise we have from the scriptures, Hebrews 8, 12. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front and make themselves available after the service. We would invite you to come if you need forgiveness, if you need the strength to offer forgiveness. If you have a burden that you're carrying, come and meet with us here in the front. We'd be honored to pray with you today. So as people who have been forgiven by a great and mighty God, we choose to be people who forgive. To refresh others with grace that is greater than all our sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so mindful this morning of our need for you. Because we've hurt others, we've sinned against God and fellow humans, and because others have wronged us. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that you would forgive us our sins, 
We also remember, Lord, that, Lord Jesus, when you taught us to pray, you taught us to pray that you would forgive us as we forgive others. Oh, God, help us to forgive. Oh, God, help us to lay aside those grudges that we've been carrying. Oh, God, help us to get rid of this poison and this hatred within us. That your Holy Spirit would would blow through us to cleanse us. Lord, that sounds impossible. But we remember that you did it from the cross. And so, Lord, would you help us to do it now? To persist in being people filled with grace. Why, oh God? Because of your amazing endless sacrificial love for us that you've shown us the full extent of through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And so it's only in his name that we pray these things for your glory. Amen.